Welcome to A Conversation with Chief, where together we visit with special friends from across Native North America who will encourage, inspire, and equip us in our walk with Jesus Christ. Join us now for an engaging conversation with Chief. We want to thank uh, you for joining us with the conversations with Chief. And uh, I want you to meet some dear friends of mine that are involved in uh, Native ministry or that have a heart for Native Americans. And uh, I have a special friend today, uh, Kevin uh, Ruthen. And uh, Kevin uh, has served with uh, Native American children and youth uh, through a ministry uh, called Rehoboth uh, Christian School. And uh, Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about Rehoboth and uh, tell us about uh, Native youth. Uh, I would love to to hear that today. Love our folks to hear that today. Well, hey, thanks, Hirad, for for, for having me. Um, I I kind of began this journey. I grew up in Michigan, near uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and um, in my early twenties, I began to do youth ministry in the inner city of Grand Rapids, and with a lot of kids who had gone through a lot of trauma and pain. But I had gone to a Bible college, and there was a Navajo man at the Bible college there in Michigan. And when I was, I think I was 20 years old and, and over the summer, he invited me to come out to the Navajo nation. And so that summer I spent with his family near, uh, near Pinyon between Chinle and Pinyon on the Navajo nation there in Arizona, kind of in the heart of the Navajo nation. And, uh, almost the first day there, there was a grandma from one of the local churches who said, my mom is really elderly and she's blind and she had fallen and she broke her. She's now bedridden. And so I need to take care of her, but I got all the grandkids and the sheep to look out for. And can this young guy named Kevin move in with us for the summer and herd the sheep and take care of the grandkids. And uh, that was my introduction to um, native American ministry and uh, working with youth and Chasing sheep and uh, running around with kids. And uh, how long ago was that, Kevin? When that, that, that was that's a great question. I believe that was twenty. That was twenty four years ago. Wow! Wow! And, uh, and what a what a great experience. Um, those children all had grown up in homes where they had gone through a lot of trauma, and uh, none of them had you know both parents together. Um, grandma took care of these kids. And, um, so I, I got to learn how to ride horses with these kids and, uh, I got to learn how to chase sheep and, and even grandma at the end of that summer asked me which sheep I wanted to butcher. And I knew exactly which sheep, <laughs> the, the sheep that had always led the others astray. And, uh, so I, I learned how to shear that summer and learned how to, uh, yeah, the whole butchering, cleaning the stomach and all of that, uh, that was just a great experience. And so I went back to Michigan and, but God, God kept putting that family on my heart and the youth and that community I'd gotten to know through the church of my heart. And so I would travel back and forth from Michigan to there, um, numerous times a year. And then eventually felt like, God just called me just to move out there. And I had an invitation to join and help out at a church. And God, God just did some amazing things. Um, 
I had a little tiny car that was not going to get me around on the roads out there. But the pastor, a guy named Elmer Yazi, he had a, he, he had a vehicle and he said, Hey, you can have my vehicle or you can have the van when you come out here. And then I got a call from a pastor I didn't even know from in Michigan. He said, Hey, we're praying for you. And God's told us to give you our Jeep, our Jeep Wrangler. And, uh, and so I, I called this pastor out near, near Pinyon again. And he said, well, um, our bad news, the van broke down. We don't have a vehicle for you, but God had already solved that. And, uh, and so I, I moved out there and stayed out in the Ganado area where he had a home and, uh, and then often stayed with that family near Pinyon. And so for about two years, I was out there before I came to Rehoboth. And okay. since then, I've been working with young people and youth, and um, I started teaching Bible. And then so many kids I was working with had so much trauma in their life. Um, there was a, a pastor who's, I, I believe, part Taos and Kiowa, Tim Sudo, in Albuquerque. Yes. He said, you should think about chaplaincy. And so at his suggestion, and I took some chaplaincy training, and, and uh, now we have a Navajo Chaplains Corps. With 18 chaplains from, from Gallup to Flagstaff. Wow. So, uh, but That's 20 crazy. years of working at Rehoboth now. So it's crazy. My. Well, when you, uh, think of young people and you, you sounds like you have had young people has been the heart of, of your ministry for, mm-hmm. for years. When you think of our Native American youth, uh, and uh, just interacting in their lives. What do you observe, Kevin? What are some of the challenges they face? Uh, what are some of, even I would say, uh, the solution? And I know what the solution is, but but how do you address, how do you get to that point uh, with the young people? Yeah, I, I think Native young people, the ones that I've worked with, um, really aren't, aren't that much different than any youth I've worked with. Um, I mean, young people are in a place where they're trying to, they're trying to discover their identity. They're trying to, they're trying to discover their value. Um, they're trying to just figure out who they are and where they belong and why they're here. Um, trying to figure out purpose. I, I would say though, there, there are some added, there are some added struggles. Um, you know that a lot of native youth um, that I've worked with that they have some added struggles in that. I think that God has put each, each of us, he created each of us with certain longings that are part of being an image bearer of God. God made us, he made us in his image. He gave us a voice. He gave us power to cultivate and he made us very relational. And in that relational in that relational identity that God has created us in. I think, I think there's, there's a book recently written called Free to Thrive by um, Josh McDowell and Ben Bennett. And it's called Free to Thrive, How Your Hurt Struggles and Deepest Longings Can Lead to a Fulfilled Life. And they talk about seven God-given longings that every human being is created with. And they all start with an A. I'll quick read through those really quick. Sure. First is acceptance, to be loved and approved for who we are no matter what, not on the basis of what we do. Every young person I work with wants to know that they're accepted. 
that they're valued. And then appreciation. Every one of us have a longing to be appreciated. This isn't so much for who we are, but for what we do. We want to be noticed. We want to be recognized. Um, we're, that's built into us, a sense that we, we want to know that what we're doing is significant and that it matters. Mm. And then affection. Every one of us have a, a longing to be cared for. Um, and that can be with a touch or emotional engagement. And then access to have longing to consistent and emotional, physical presence of key figures. Um, I was recently with a young person who, um, a young native, a young native girl who, um, her dad walked out on her. And, and for her, at the root of a lot of her, at a lot of her struggles and seeing the value of her worth and the value of her identity, is she has not had access to her father. Mm-hmm. Um, he is his, he has not been present in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he has promised to be present, he has broken those promises. Right. right. And so then, and then the fifth one is attention. We have a longing to be recognized, to be seen, to be noticed. And then sixthly, affirmation of feelings, mm-hmm. longing to have our feelings affirmed, validated, um, or confirmed by others. And then finally, the assurance of safety, to feel safe, to be protected emotionally and physically. So those seven needs, acceptance, appreciation, affection, access, attention, affirmation of feelings, and assurance of safety are so important. Those are God-given longings that we have. And because of sin in our world, because of brokenness, none of us, none of us receive those things very well. Right. Um, and none of us give those things as, as well as we ought to. I mean, you just get into Genesis chapter four and you already see these things falling apart. You yes. think about Abraham's family and then his, his son Isaac and, and Jacob's family and you already see this, this complete chaos and brokenness. Yeah. And, and I counsel a lot of young people who are struggling with a lot of suicide, suicidal ideation and grief and, Almost all of their suicidal ideation is rooted in one of a lack of at least one of these seven longings. Mm, boy, that's that's something. Well, I I totally agree with you, Kevin. Is that uh, I believe uh, as a believer in Christ, that is one of the key things. Is we know our identity, and and it's so often I think of our and it's not just young people. But our, uh, it's our native people, whatever struggle, whatever battle they have gone through. Uh, and, and I, when I think of native youth, of course, uh, we have the highest rate of, you just, you just go down the, the line mm-hmm. of suicide, of, of, uh, uh drug abuse, of, uh, whatever than any other ethnic group. And so, uh, but, and so often what I hear is, well, uh, can God forget, truly forgive me? Or can God, uh, and, and their point of reference seems to be, uh, their identity according to their pasts. Mm. But, but I think, uh, the real victory is when we look at our identity according to scripture, mm-hmm. what scripture is teaching us. You know, like, like you said, I love it. Where we are, we are created in the image of God. We are to reflect the image of God. See, 
And, uh, so, uh, anyways, I just, I, I can't, uh, I, I get excited is what I'm saying. When I hear you say, uh, that, that for me, for the native young people, for native people is when we really start understanding our identity, uh, in scripture, there's where we see real victory in some of the challenges we face in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, in, in my years, I, I teach a class at Rehoboth called Spiritual and Psychological First Aid. And training young people to, number one, know how to offer peer support. And when I ask my young people in, in the beginning of the course to say, what, what do you think causes trauma among young people? What, what causes so much pain and hurt in your generation? And I really do link it to really two or three different things. Um, but the primary thing that I, I link it to is often they're trying to find their identity in the wrong place. Um, they're trying to find their identity in the opinions of others. They're trying to find their identity in their success or their performance. They're trying to find their identity in their body image. Um, they've done surveys across the United States and less than 5% of, of girls think they're beautiful. Um, and, and so that's a big one. They try to find their identity in their talents or in a relationship. Um, that, that's a dangerous area. They, they say that for a, a, a boy, if he's dating while he's in high school, he has an eight times higher suicide rate. And I think part of it is because this young man is finding his entire identity in this girl. And that girl's not going to be able to meet his, his ultimate need. Yes. And, and a lot of young guys and, and young people that I see dating, they often have so much brokenness in their life. And they're looking to this other person to find that healing in this wholeness. And, and so they're already vulnerable. And, and, and it doesn't take long to be in a relationship when you, to realize any, anybody who's listening that's married realizes that relationships are hard and there's yes. a lot of ups and downs. And if we're trying to find our identity and value in that other person, man, we're going to, we're going to have a broken heart pretty quick. That's right. That's and, right. And it's going to lead to trauma. Another big thing I see among young people is they're trying to find their identity in their sexuality um, and in their gender. Um, we live in a culture where, um, you know, your gender identity is is often seen as this is the core of who you are. Um, and this is a place where you can find wholeness if you just step into a, a certain community Um so the LGBT plus community especially um, really promotes the idea that this is this isn't just a, a struggle, but this is your core identity. Um, and so I've seen that as something that's really accelerating really quickly um, right now across, among a lot of young people that I work with. Um, but but often people do find their identity. I think in the two things that people find their identity in that I think is most dangerous is when they look at their sins or their failures or their hurts, how they've been wounded. Yes. And they try to find their they they see their entire identity as that. Um you know, maybe they've been abused and so then they begin to feel like it's their fault or they have no value, they have no worth. I mean, young people tend to be very egocentric and, 
And I think even God wired us in, in one of the ways that we cope with things and we work through things is if somebody's hurting us and God's created us in his image to have power. And that, and, and obviously if you're a young person and you're being abused by somebody older, mm-hmm. there's a power imbalance there. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the only ways you're going to cope with it as a child is to assume, well, there must be, it must be my fault. Because if it's my fault, then maybe I can stop it. Maybe there's something I can do to stop it. And, and that just damages the psyche. It damages, it just damages their sense of self-worth, their sense of self-identity. And, uh, and I think a big part of disciple making is, is helping, helping our young people, whether you're young or old, a big part of discipleship is recovering our identity as image bearers of God. That's right. That's um, right. Colossians chapter three speaks about this new image that we're being renewed in the image of our creator. Mm-hmm. And that's the process of discipleship. And it's interesting. The word image in Hebrew is selim, um, or selim. I think I hard word to pronounce, but, but that, that word, it, it, it's all about, it was a, it was an image that would rep, it was a physical image that would represent an invisible deity. Mm. And, and it was often, you would see these images in the Middle East. You go to Israel today, you go to Jordan, you go to Egypt, and you see a lot of these, these carved images of the gods that they worship. And they're massive and they're huge. And when people worshiped those images, it wasn't so much they were worshiping the image, but they believed the image represented the actual presence of the deity that they were worshiping. And God tells his people, I don't want you to make any carved images. And the reason is he already has images on this earth. You and me as human beings, we're the image of God. And we were made in his image to represent him, to reflect him. And so knowing that identity, recovering that identity in our lives gives us a value that even if I have been hurt, even if I have failed, I am made in his image. And because of that, I have intrinsic, I have a value and I have an, a dignity right. that nobody can take away from me. That's um, right. That's great. And so it's helping kids recover that. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I appreciate Kevin. Uh, just all that you have shared, uh, I know it will be of great value to those that are listening. Uh, my heart goes out to our Native people. I always share where I am a fifth-generation follower of Christ uh, among my dad's people. Uh, it began in the 1700s that my great-great-great-grandfather was one of the first Mohawk chiefs to embrace Christ. And uh, now I am a grandpa, I'm a dad, I have two kids, I've got six grandkids, uh, and I look at my grandkids, and they're anywhere from six to 20 years old, and uh, they're the seventh generation within our family that are followers of Christ. So uh, when I look at the generation today, the youth generation, uh, my heart goes out to them. And I just pray uh, that that the power and the authority of God would flow through their lives uh, in a greater way than it has even in our lives, you know. So, uh, so what I would say, Kevin, in closing, 
Would you pray for us? Would you pray for the need of youth? Would you literally pray for maybe an individual that has come to mind this past week that you have ministered to? And uh, and then uh, we'll join along as we hear these names to come along and pray for the Native American youth. Okay. Well, Father, we come to you. And Lord, there are so many... So many young people that are struggling with so many, so many things. Um, I met with a young person just this past week who had a sibling try to take their life. So much, so much hopelessness, so much, so much fear, so much guilt, so much shame. I'm reminded of some I believe it's Psalm 40, where David says, you took me out of the miry clay, you put me in a rock. Lord, we all know what it's like to drive on muddy clay roads, and your tires spin, and you don't go anywhere. There's so many young people that, that that's where they're at in their life right now, when they're trying to figure out who they are, and why they exist, and for the purpose that they're on this earth, and they're just trapped in the clay. But David said, you pulled me up. You pulled me up out of the clay. Yes. Put my feet on solid rock. And you put a new song in my mouth. Yes. And many will see and they will fear and they will put their trust in God. And I pray that for the young people. You would raise up, you would raise up people. You would raise up people in across, across Native America, Lord, that would have a passion to reach young people. Yes. You would raise up more laborers. Jesus, that's your prayer request. You said the labor is great, but the laborers are few. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Please pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up laborers. And I pray that you would do that for the young people, but I also pray that you would raise up laborers among the young people. Yes. And you would work in their hearts and in their lives. You would put a new song in their mouths and in their hearts. And I know even at this moment, Lord, there are probably young people across our nation and Native American communities that are wondering, even today, whether their life is worth, worth living. They're wondering if, they're wondering if they can even make it through another day. And you know, each one of those young people across this, across our land. And we just ask that you would intervene. Yes, Lord. We ask that you would move in their hearts and in their minds, that you would speak to them by your spirit in a way that only you can. You would move them towards hope. Lord, I thank you that our young people, they have a hope, and it's in Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. And no matter what's in our past, no matter, no matter what we've done wrong, no matter the guilt we carry, no matter the wrongs that have been done to us, we thank you that you sent a savior that can heal us, can make us whole. We thank you that you're a savior who left the 99 to go after the one. That's right. And so we know there's a lot of those ones that are all across Native America today. That's right. And we know that you love them and that you're going after them. Yes. Help us to know how to, to better partner with you in that. Mm-hmm. Give us more obedient hearts and, 
spirits that are more filled with your spirit, that we might be more effective in, in reaching the one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, I just pray and I agree with Kevin. Lord, I just thank you for the love and the passion that you have for our Native American people. I thank you, Lord, for our youth. I thank you, Lord, for uh, those young men and those young women, Lord, that are just starting out in life. Lord, uh, like Kevin said, they're full of questions. They're full of wanting to know what life is all about. Where is the hope? Where is the joy? Where is uh, the right? We're in a world of wrong. And Lord, I just pray, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would just really show truth in their lives, Father. And I pray that you would draw them to yourself. Lord, I think of scripture in Ephesians uh, where it says, blessed be the God and Father who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Mm -hmm. Father, I just pray that you would just pour out your blessing, Lord upon our people, upon our young people. Uh, Father, give them vision, Lord. Give our nations vision. And Lord, I pray that you would lift up leaders, Lord, that would make an impact, not only in their churches, but in their homes, within their tribal communities, within the tribal government, within the cities, whatever it is, Lord. I pray that you would raise up a warrior generation, like Paul, that says that I'm not ashamed. And so thank you for this dear brother that has committed his life to serve among our native people. And Lord, I just pray that you would go before him, that you would just open more opportunities to serve. Thank you, Lord, uh, for faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your stories. It's been a blessing. Thank you. Well, thank you, Huron. And if I could just say one last word in that. Yes, sir. You know, uh, my, my wife is Navajo. I married into the Navajo tribe. I have three sons of my own. And, and, and I think the most important key for our young people is parents. Yes. And yes. Uh, that as parents, we learn how to accept our children, how to appreciate them, how to give them the affection how to give them the access to us that they need so badly. Um, give them the attention, affirm how they feel, and uh, give them the assurance of safety. I think that's so crucial. And as teaching 20 years, I can say the number one thing that makes a difference in the kids I teach is their home life. That's right. That's right. Excellent. So, Thank you, brother. What a blessing. You take care, and uh, we'll be praying for you, Kevin. All right. Appreciate it, Huron. Okay. God bless. We'll see. God bless. Thanks for joining us in today's conversation. We trust you've been encouraged by what you've heard. The mission and purpose of Chief is to disciple and equip a strong Native American leadership for the development of the indigenous church throughout North, Central, and South America. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of Chief and how you can be involved, please visit us online at chief.org. Thanks for your interest, and we'll look forward to you joining us again next time for another Conversation with Chief.